This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And you might have thought you had had plenty of Eben's Jean for coming on the podcast the first time. I'm bringing you double trouble. In fact, I'm bringing you the person who really makes things happen at One Way Insurance Group. And they're coming straight from the back of that ridiculous insurance van that I have seen all over social. So it's my pleasure to welcome for the first time to the Power Producers podcast, the real gasoline in the one-way engine is Gigi Jean, Eben's wife. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say for the first time ever, my co-host is my oldest son, Grayson. The first time on the podcast is as a co-host. I've been running solo for the first two episodes, and I decided that I wanted help on this one. And then I'll close out the next one by myself. So before we get cracked up, what's going on up there? Everything is good. good yeah. Everything is good. It's good to yeah. be on the podcast. So, so talk Last to time me. I wasn't on it. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we can get into all the reasons why Ebens told me he didn't want you on. No, I'm just kidding. He never <laughs> <said> <laughs> you try, you thought I got you try to get me in trouble, Dave. <laughs> I know, man. I have a feeling you do a pretty good job on your own, man. I don't think you yeah. need anything from me. So before we get into into all of that, though, sort of give everybody your background because I know we talked about it a little bit when uh, when he was on, but I don't know, you know, I, we didn't really get to hear much about you other than you're from a completely different area in the Caribbean than what than what he is, right? Which I think is yeah. interesting in and of itself. So, sort of tell everybody your backstory and and what led you to where you're at right now, and then we're going to get into to um, talk a little bit about the agency. But I want to talk a lot about the community that you're in and what y'all are doing there. And I do seriously want to talk about what your vision is and your goals are for the vehicle, because I mean, ain't no secret who owns it. I mean, it's all over it. So floor is yours. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm originally from the Bahamas, Nassau, Thorn and Raise. So I'm an island girl who can't swim. So don't hold it against me. <laughs> <laughs> I know surrounded by water and can't swim. Um, my parents are Haitian. They migrated from Haiti to the Bahamas for a better life. Um, I basically grew up with an entrepreneurial um, spirit. You know, I don't know of anybody who's from like a different country besides the United States. Like it was born in you. Like you, when you came out of your mother's womb, like boom, you're an entrepreneur. So, well, I mean, if they don't think that's the case, then they should go visit some of those islands sometime exactly. because you're going to get sold everything and anything you could possibly imagine. I mean, I could probably buy a baby in some islands from some of these. <laughs> it, 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 but could. it's funny, and Grayson can even relate to that because, you know, we would, we, you know, we go on cruises with the family during the holidays, either at, at Thanksgiving time or Christmas time each year. COVID slowed that down, but we're back on track to do that again this year. And I, I mean, I'll never forget the first time that Grayson and my middle son, who were old enough to kind of start paying attention to what's going on when, when you're somewhere new, 
every three steps, somebody was wanting to braid Caroline's hair yeah. or they had a doll they wanted to sell you that they made or this or that. And, you know, I think that that makes people who don't come from that very uncomfortable. Honestly, I don't. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. I walk through and I ba- I'll, I'll typically give them pointers on how they could break the ice better or how they're yeah. going to get. You know, I'll just say, hey, man, your approach is all wrong. You see me here with my four <laughs> kids. This is how you should open the conversation. But I do think that it's something that you're, you're dead on the money. You're born with it. It's cultural. And, you know, I think survival, it is, is. you you took the words out of my mouth. Part of it is you have to do that to be able to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So the insurance thing's a piece of cake, right? (laughs) Compared to to that. (laughs) Well, that's what I thought. Um, I actually came to the States when I was 19. I got a scholarship from a church program. So I worked with them for a couple of years and then I went to college and during that time, there was a agency broker that uh, was saying that, you know, we need filing in the office if you can just come in and do some filing. And then from there, I started doing some filing and they were like, hey, can you translate for some of our clients? And then from there, I started doing some translating and bada bing, bada boom, before you knew it, <laughs> I was um, I was selling insurance. And that was about 13 years ago. Um, I've always been independent, never been captive. And it's something that I grew to love. Um, and then after meeting events, um, and he got the insurance industry, um, after being in the insurance industry, working for other people for a couple of years, we decided to open our own and here we are. That's interesting. So Evans decides to get into insurance. How much of it was because he was looking for a wife and wanted to impress her and how much of it <laughs> was because he was going to marry her. And she said, you better get yourself a real job, buddy. <laughs> Oh man, no, actually, she's the one, she she was the one that actually got me into it. Cause I know like in my in my early years, like I know about insurance, uh, because I had a side hustle doing uh doing employee benefit. Um so but when I got with when I got with Gigi and she was like, You should go get into it, go get your license. Uh she even invest in me to get the license. And it took me as 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 people know, it took me quite some time for me to to pass the license because she invests so much in me. Uh it took me 11, 11 times to pass the license. And um and I couldn't give up. I always tell the story I couldn't give up because she invests so much in me. I couldn't give up. You no, know, I had to keep keep going because I know like the goal, the dream that that we had together. Um so I, I couldn't give up. And here we are uh five years going five years and uh with our agency and we've been we've been we've been blessed. Well, we've been blessed of what we accomplished so far, but we're not we're not done yet. We're not done yet. And you know the funny thing too, David, is even though I've been in the insurance industry longer than events, <laughs> a lot of you all think that I just got my license. One person even went to events like, oh, it's a good thing that you put your wife into this. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been doing this. So. <laughs> She's the she's the CEO of the of the of the firm. Yeah. Like, no, people don't people don't know that. That's why, like, she's the one that got me into it. Uh, she was the one. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that's a problem in my opinion because that's a bias that the industry has yeah. in general. Because I and I I typically correct people when I'm engaging with them, whether it be social or otherwise. I even put something up last week on my on my, on my personal Facebook page and it, I don't even remember exactly what it was but it was something about either a producer or an agency owner and oh it, you know what it was it was a comment it was it was a message that I had gotten from somebody in Killing Commercial thanking me for just motivating them and supporting them and it was the best thing I got the entire day and I I made a quick uh, a post anonymous post about it there was no gender identifying remarks whatsoever in the post now it did come from a guy it came from a man yeah. but, when, but when i posted it i didn't put anything in there that would lead anybody to believe anything one way or the other not intentionally because i was trying to catch somebody acting in in a way but i it just was that's how it was written and it was a natural thing in the literally like one of the very first comments was Something that said, I'd I'd love to know about him or his, this, that, or the other. And my first remark is, how do you know it was a guy? 
yeah. Right. But that's where our mind goes. That I mean, and it, 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 that's something that has is always sort of bothered me. And I, I don't think it's it's not relegated to the insurance industry, which is even worse. I think that we see it a lot because it's really, really prevalent, right? If you're not an aging white dude in a conference, then you're a minority right out of the box. It doesn't matter who you are. And so, you know, I think that, that it's interesting you say that. And I pointed out for the listeners intentionally to tell you, be a little bit sensitive to who you're talking to. You never know whether it's the husband or the wife or both. Yeah. That own the agency. And just because, you know, they're doing this as a couple doesn't mean one is any less than the other. Yeah. I can assure you, if my wife was in the agency with me, which I would love for her to be one day, I would give her all the credit, right? And you, Ben, you're a smart guy. You do the same thing, but, you know, she would never allow me to do that. Um, and she wouldn't take all the credit because yeah. she knows that both of us have to work together. Yes. But, I just I wanted to bring that up because you said it just in passing like it's a normal thing. And that's the problem. It's a normal thing. And people say too many things like that in passing. And then we hear it and we sit back and we think about it a little bit later. I'd rather bring it up as it happens. So thank you for sharing that, because whoever said that to you needs to get racked in the head. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So anyhow, so you bring Ebens in after 11 after. After 11 times, he passes the test. That's still not the record, brother. I know somebody who's taken the Florida test more times than that before <laughs> before they passed it. But again, it's always a matter of perspective and how people view the world. You could say that, and there are probably people snickering under their breath thinking, oh, this guy's stupid. It took him 11 times to pass the test. I tend to look at it a little differently and say, this dude took a test a 12th time after he didn't pass at 11 because he wasn't willing to give up and quit. Yes. He wanted to go get what's his, which tells me a lot, right? Because I I can tell you, um, you know, I've not been in in the homes or the houses where you grew up, but I've been to both of the islands enough times that I know what conditions are like there compared to what it's like for the average person in the United States or We could even compare it to some of the worst conditions in the U.S. And there, the U.S. is still in better shape than a lot of the other countries, um, you know, that are that are out there. And so, you know, my opinion is you didn't quit because you don't know how to. That wasn't an option. No, you you, quitting. Quitting was never something that was on the table. And I mean, I even remember things like, you know, I, I. Believe it or not, I'm relatively musically inclined. I took piano lessons for a number of years. I play brass instruments. I don't even know that I've ever even talked about on the podcast before and haven't in a long time. But but I remember all of those times where, you know, it got beat into my head practicing the piano every single day that I had to go for an hour. And I'd sit down for 10 minutes, get frustrated and want to quit. And I was forbidden to get up from the piano because I hadn't mastered what I needed to learn that day. And I would end up going for an hour, hour and a half, two hours to get it right before I would ever give in. But at the time, I hated that. I hated I hated the fact that my parents were doing that to me. But I look at it now and it's really become woven in the fabric of who I am because I don't quit at anything anymore. Yeah. And, you know, even the most mundane things, right? There's plenty of things in our industry that we don't want to have to deal with or do on a daily basis. Mm. But if we want to achieve what we're capable of achieving in this industry, sometimes we got to we got to deal with the stuff we don't want to do. Very true. Very true. What you say? So you come through college, you bring events into the business. What's that look like? The, The first few years was rough. Well, we started in 2019 when we opened our doors. The first two years was rough because we knew how to sell insurance. We knew about the product. We knew about it. But I mean, as being agency principals, that we didn't know. So a lot of stuff we had to learn. We made a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of sacrifices. There was nobody to turn to. There was no David. There was no Mick. There was no Ingoes. It was just us. And everybody that we turned to would not help us or tell us what to do. So a lot of stuff that we had to 
learn the hard way, like how the loss ratio affects your book of business and how to get a book of business and the, finding the right clients, finding your niche market. So a lot of these things, it was really hard for us the first few years, um, but we learned from it. And I think it made us, our agency, much better. So not to get, not to make you relive the painful moments <laughs> of your journey, but part of having the podcast is to share some of the things that we have done collectively that were mistakes that might help somebody else to hear not to do that, right? Yeah. For, ex for example, I can give you one that cost me $25,000 when I didn't have $25,000. Mm. I bound an excess and surplus lines policy for somebody who was a trusted client and relationship of mine who ended up hosing me on the down payment, going out of business, and I was on the hook. Wow. Right? So now David doesn't take, he, he doesn't bind yes. without having cash in hand, right? So that's something, no matter how pressured you are to get a deal done, yes. it can come back and blow you up. So what's an example of, of something when you say you made, made mistakes and you don't need to give me like all the bad ones, but I mean, what's something... <laughs> What's something okay, that you learned that you weren't expecting? Uh, we actually lost a, a trip and a bonus because of the loss ratio. Um, when I mean the loss ratio is that, you know, how, when you start the agency, like you, you taking it at everybody and every, everybody and anybody that, that you're taking. If they got a pulse, we were writing you. We were writing you. <laughs> now, if you had a, if you had a business, we were writing you. If you had a, if you had a home, we was writing you. If you had a vehicle, we was writing. So we didn't have, that we didn't know our clientele. Uh, we didn't know our niche with that because we was writing everybody and, 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 and anybody. It hurt our loss ratio. We missed out on a big bonus and a trip from one of our top carriers because of that. Uh, mm. And from, from that day, we learned. We quickly adjust and we had to find a way like, okay, we had to look back okay, to see how did we get to this far? What did we do wrong? We have to go back to the drawing board to see how can we adjust what we have to do now. And we did that and we, we found out that it's not the client. It always is not the client for it's all for because we don't want that end up writing them. We didn't want that make the decision taking them. Um, so we just went to the draw, drawing board and said, you know what? This is our niche client. This is what we're going to do. This is the qualification. If you want to be a client, this is what we're looking for. And then also learn to say no, because the past few years, we've said more no's than yeses. You know, so even though it may be a good account or whatever, but if, if I'm looking at certain things, certain red flags and stuff like that, then it's a no. It's a no for me. Go ahead, Grayson. You started to say something. I was just going to ask. So with that being said, what were the adjustments that you guys made moving forward to fix uh, fix that particular mistake you guys made? Um, One of them, because when we first started, like we was heavily, like we had like personal, like we was heavy on the personal line. So the adjustment that we did is that we started looking at for the personal line, people who had insurance for more than a year, no speeding ticket. No accident, clean client. We made the adjustment. And with some of the business, we, with the business, like we had a niche, what we were looking for. If you were a general contractor, we know what we was looking for in a general contractor, construction company, or even trucking company. Like we would know what we was looking for, especially with trucking company. Okay. How long you been in business? What's your uh, procedure when you hiring drivers? Now, are you taking anybody? Any and everybody. So we start doing those little things to help us not to make those mistakes that we made before. So here's my question, having been in your shoes before, how do you deal with the mental aspects of that, right? Because here you are, you've opened an agency, you know you're under pressure to produce and write as much business as you can. But the loss ratio is running a little hot. And the reality is it may have cost you a trip in year number one. But if you don't get that fixed, you eventually lose a carrier yeah. contract. Yeah. So now you're worried about what am I going to do to preserve my relationship with my insurance company partner? In addition to putting these parameters on, how, I mean, how did you, 
How did you deal with that? What did you say to yourself when you were saying no more than you were saying yes to, to sort of right the ship and get it to where it needs to be? I think one thing that we did was I think some of when it comes to insurance, a lot of people is the education part. And so a lot of our clients, we had to educate them, especially those if something happens, they hardly want to put a claim. Okay, who was at fault? So we went ahead and we educate our clients, you know, before you put that claim in. Um, another thing that we did is we started the type of niche market that we wanted. We changed our marketing to that specific niche market. So we're like, okay, this is the clients that we want. This is what we need. Let's focus our marketing on that type of client. And so it was easier that way to do the shift. And because we're fairly new, so it, it didn't really affect our book of business that much because we were new. So we were starting on level ground. So that would help us out a lot. And the funny thing is, because when we when somebody would ask us about insurance, they're like, what's your niche? I'm like, well, I sell insurance from zero to like until they die. That's, that's my niche market. But once we start realizing what our niche was, we realized more of those people were coming to us than than ever before. So now I think this year and last year, we're more niche focused and we're writing the kind of clientele, the kind of businesses that we do want to write. Got it. Well, I mean, I just know how tough it is because it's easiest thing, easiest thing for me to give advice to a producer about is figure out the three to five ideal prospects you want to go after, only go after them and don't look at anything else. Yeah. Well, I can say that now because I've done it, right? And I've made plenty of money doing it. But when you're starting a scratch agency or you are, you know, a producer who's new and trying to get just get business on the books, that doesn't always make sense to you. You don't understand it. It wasn't until I got into the agency owner's role that I even paid attention to loss ratio. I mean, yeah. I would talk about it because I would tell people how bad theirs was and they needed me to help them get it cleaned up, but I would still go write the account. Part of it's because I knew we had good risk management tools that would, you know, get it to where it needed to be, but truthfully it wasn't be it wasn't because I was only taking the absolute best looking accounts out of uh, everything I had an opportunity on. In closing them, I wrote literally everything because all I knew was I needed to get my book to a yeah. million dollars in revenue as fast as I could because that's what everybody said made you, you know, that was the holy grail for producers. So I wasn't stopping until I got there. And whatever I wrote, I wrote. Then, like you, I get involved on the agency side and it wasn't a trip. It, it's the fact that we get contingent commissions and profit sharing bonuses yeah. from our carriers. Yeah. And my goodness, I mean, you want to talk, I'll take my own trip. Give me the money. You know, I, you know, I want, I want <laughs> right. that check. I can, I can probably make that money go a lot farther than what the insurance company is going to make it go on a trip. So, you know, that, that's what was really the real, the, the uh, wake up call for me was seeing, oh my goodness. Okay. I didn't realize that these end of the year contingencies were actually as lucrative is what they are. And I'll never forget it, man. I like, I take loss ratio as serious as anybody out there at yes. this point. And yes. I'll never forget the first time auto owners came in after we had been appointed with them for the first year. And they told us what a great year we had, you know, that we were going to get a, a really good profit sharing check from them. And they were ecstatic that our loss ratio was 12%. And I was pissed. I was mad because it was the first time I had seen it above single digits because I expected it to be in single digits. And you know what's crazy? It was because we didn't know any better. I honestly yeah. didn't know that I could get profit sharing if my loss ratio was almost 45%. Yeah. Right? Or, or what or whatever the number was. And here I am with the 12, and I was mad. And my marketing guy looks at me and he goes, What are you upset about? That's one of the best, if not the best. <laughs> in my entire region. And I said, I expected it to be single digits. And the moral of the story is sometimes when you don't know any better and you set the goal, don't yeah. let anybody else talk noise at you about why you can't do something. Yeah. Because what I found in life in general is most people's standards aren't as high for me as what my standards are for me. 
You know, I'm going to push myself to be the absolute best I can be. I don't want to surround myself with a group of people who say, oh, man, great job. That's good enough. Yeah. No, not at all. Grayson, you look like you wanted to, to ask a question. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring up the van. Um, I've seen a lot of unique marketing ideas, a lot of unique branding ideas, but I can't say I've ever seen somebody with a van. So just talk to me a little bit about where that came from. <laughs> I'm going to let her, uh, Gigi is the one that came up with the, this crazy idea about, about two, three, almost like three years, three, yeah, yeah, three years ago, uh, we were just sitting in the office and she was, she was like, I have a crazy idea. We should have a mobile office. So I'm going to let her, it was her vision. I back her up with that so it was her it was her it was all the credit was to her he's in good company because i'm going to tell you what my similar idea was when she's done (laughs) um so first of all i try to correct everybody it's not a van it's a mobile office so everybody's like i like a van i'm like it's a mobile office (laughs) (laughs) um the idea behind it grayson you're young right well you're younger than me i may look young but i'm not young yeah is and us being in the insurance industry, we know how fun it is. We know how lucrative it is. But everybody from outside in, I mean, when, when people talk about aggregate and they talk about limits of liabilities, workers comp, I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. It, it's like me. But then the other person is like, um, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Break it down for me, right? And so insurance is something that everybody needs, but everybody's afraid of it. Or they're like, I don't want to handle it. Let somebody else handle it. And so we wanted to create like a safe space where somebody can have that conversation. You know, I can talk to a business owner. I can have a workshop in here. Um, and I wanted to make it cool. And how cool would it be to like pimp my ride out? You know, like literally you come in here and you don't think of, oh my goodness, you don't get that anxiety that I have to purchase a policy. I have to do you come here and you you can ask your questions. You can do whatever you want. You guys internet, there's TV in here. So the whole idea behind a mobile office was to make insurance an experience. And also to go ahead and travel to different states, different events, and show people how cool this industry is. And so it was it's good to see it. You know, everybody who's coming here, they're like, wow. So it's it's really great that it this vision came to life. So where do you take it? Do you just go to neighborhoods and pull over and wait for people to come in? Do you announce that you're going there? Do you do you make Ebens put on a Chippendales outfit and go out and dance for everybody? Or how's that work? Um, the process that we have right now is we've taken it to several states. We've been to New Jersey. It's been to PA, Baltimore, Maryland. So what we do, we just don't drive it to like a neighborhood because, you know, we got to have a whole plan. If there's an event that's coming on, we normally connect with the host of the event. We normally sponsor that event as well and have the people come in. Um, like in Virginia, we had like a workshop. We did a workshop. So a lot of these things are planned with whoever's hosting the event. And we're, we're there to, to be there. And here's the experience. We want to take the, take the business owner from their conference room to the mobile office. We do the transaction here. Uh, and everything and after with the whole transaction. The other cool thing is we're gonna do a po- we're gonna shoot a podcast. Uh, we're gonna shoot a podcast inside a mobile office. So that's so been fun. <laughs> that's, it's, it's been it's been fun. It's been fun. But people think that we're going to people's houses. No, it's like we wanna take we wanna have that experience for the business owner that live in in Maryland. We drive up there. We take you from your conference room to the mobile office. Complete everything. And inside of a law office. Well, it doesn't hurt any that your branding's all over the outside. So you're basically driving yeah. a billboard everywhere you go. Everywhere too. we go. <laughs> so you could literally just leave that thing parked on the side of a busy street and probably get leads from it, which is good, right? Who wants to buy yeah. a billboard when you can buy a mobile office and brand it the way that y'all have done? I think that's a really, really good idea. Let me ask you this, because I think this is a question that probably should be asked more than what it is, but I have to believe, and I'm asking you because I'm not a minority, so I don't know the answer to this other than if I were to ask my friends, but you're in an industry that, as you have admitted, has blessed you, and it hasn't blessed you nearly 
as much today as it will have in another 10 years because it's going to continue to build on itself. You know, what are you doing to humanize the insurance industry for minority people in the younger generation so that when you have the handicap sticker on the mobile office, you got somebody else coming in behind you that can that can take over or in, in, not even necessarily just it, it, it one way insurance group, but in general into the industry. What what are you doing? And I know that you're doing things, so I, I'm not asking you a loaded question. I just want you to share those things with with the audience because I think that's the other thing that's really really important. And you know, I'm challenging the minorities on this too because I listen to a lot of y'all complain of out there about how you don't get a voice or you don't get a seat at the table. But I'm also going to tell you, I never hear you do anything except complain about it. You don't ask for a seat at the table. You know who gets a seat at the table? The people who take the test 11 times and pass it on number 12 because they don't want to quit because they have the guts to come in and ask for a seat at the table. So my question is for all the people out there that just want to complain about a problem instead of do anything about it, or for the people who aren't a minority that just turn a blind eye to it, what are the things that people can get involved in right now that change the landscape of the insurance industry 10, 15, 20 years down the road by actually making it into something that includes everybody instead of just the same people that it's always included? I think first things first, representation matters. That's the first things first. And you have to be able to show people that people who look like you are in this industry and are successful. Hey, I can tell you right now, anybody sees me, fat people everywhere getting in insurance tomorrow. <laughs> you so can do good. it, yes. <laughs> and I think especially when you're young, I think the most important thing is social media. Social media is the best form of how you can um, reach a wider range of audience, you know? Because there's so many people that we've reached who've reached out to us because they've seen our posts, they've seen our TikToks. And when you're excited about something, it brings excitement to somebody else. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, Yeah, uh, I sell insurance. That's what I do. What's it what's exciting about that? You know? This is what I do, this is what I'm passionate about. So I think representation matters, and that's why we're heavily big. In the social media, that's why everything that we do, we let people see that we're doing. If it's um, something for the schools, like we had a, a group that came a couple of weeks ago who never heard anything about insurance. And we were able to introduce them about insurance. They're like, yeah, this is fun. So I think representation is matters. Um, one of my mentors, Ngozi and Najee, who have like the Black Friday, who's making a, a platform where minority agency owners can get contracted with carriers. Because as you know, if you're starting from scratch, like getting appointment with carriers is like, it ain't going to happen, you know? But it shows that all these things can be done. It will be done. But I think we have to show it more to people. We have to show people that this is how cool and fun this industry can be. Definitely. Um, and I see on your social media all the time, you guys are always and you're wearing the shirt right now, dream chasers or risk takers. And so a question that I had was, when there's people who have these visions and have these dreams for their life, um, but they don't really know where to begin, what kind of advice would you give to those people who are really ambitious, but just don't know where to start? Because I'm fairly certain that you guys could have chose anything other than insurance and just based on your mentality, you guys could have found some success in that. Grayson, you're good. I like you. You're good, Grayson. <laughs> hey, I know his dad. <laughs> uh, that question, like, for me, it was association. Now, find a group of people that's doing something that you want to do and be a part of that. So to me, that's how, like I got into sell or anything like the Dream Chaser, Risk Taker. It's one of my brand, but everything started with association. And I had somebody that believed in me, not for me to get where I'm at today. So it started with association that like, if you don't know where to start, hang out with people that's doing great things in the industry that you want to be a part of or to me, it's association. I, 
I don't know for you, Gigi, but to me, it's an association. No, 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 I agree with you. I agree. I agree with you. And I think it's it's good to have like a mentor. It's mentors. I was one of those people who didn't really believe in a mentor. Um, I was like, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to YouTube it, YouTube University, figure what I got to figure out. Um, but you don't realize the importance of, of having a mentor and how that mentor can help you too as well. Yeah. So another question I actually had was, I mean, right now, just this podcast episode itself shows uh, you guys are always giving credit to each other and always shouting each other out for where you guys have gone. So um, what would you give for some advice to people who are a couple and they have goals and, you know, they want to go after those and work on those together too? Like, cause you know, you guys are obviously in a very special situation and you guys are able to become successful together. And I know some people may have questions about that. Um, I always he's say, throw, like, Hey, he's I, throwing the heat. If you thought, the, know, kid was, right? if you thought the kid was going to bring the easy questions, you're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is Grayson show. Sammy. You get the co-host. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe in Gozi will quit canceling and come on. If she knows he's on here, she stood me up. <laughs> the time. Um, I'm a huge basketball fan, like huge. I mean, like old school back Jordan Shaq, huge basketball fan. And I always, use this analogy that when you are working together, even if you're not working together, you're a husband and wife, you're a team, right? And you have to support each other in the team. Um, I always tell my husband, like when, when the Warriors won the championship, there was a bunch of players who never played, but they still got the ring. So I always tell my husband that I'm like, I want to be one of those players who sit on the bench. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to do whatever I got to do because I know if you win, I win. And that's how it is too. When when you are a couple, you can't say, "Hey, this is his stuff" or "This is her stuff." You have to see it as a team because when one win, we all win. So I always look at it. I'm always using it as a championship. Even if 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 you may not be in the same industry, but hey, the fact that you could be the only person who support that person. That person could come and have a bad day, and then they come home and you're like, "Oh, you didn't bring the money. You didn't do this. You didn't do that." Like, how was your day? Oh, do you need me to help you file this? Do you want me to make this call for you? Like, there's simple things that you can do to help your spouse out because at the end of the day, we all get in that championship ring. Yeah, I think it, I think that's really important. But you know, again, here's what I want you guys to understand about what people outside of the mobile office and outside of one way insurance group see. We see a couple that is very visible, that is literally laughing and having fun together all the time, (laughs) all the time. And, you know, I've seen everything from bringing the young ladies in a couple of weeks ago and doing a TikTok video with them to standing on the rotating video thing, dancing around, you know, just just being crazy, right? But when you think about the insurance industry, that's not what people perceive or view. That is literally changing the perception of an industry one post at a time. And you're doing that. You're doing that. Whether you realize it or not, you are doing that. People are going to see that and they're going to be like, wow, that looks, they're having fun. What are they doing? Hold on. What's that? That's a mobile office. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know? How's that guy dressed so smooth, man? I didn't know a guy from Haiti could even dress like that. <laughs> you know, my guy's always G'd up wearing the white pants and the red jacket or the blue pants and the red jacket. Like, <laughs> I see it all, brother. I see every bit of it. But I want you to know that because you need that reassurance because I understand how much it takes. Yes, you're having fun. You may even be acting like you're having fun sometimes. I would never accuse you of that. I think every day is an awesome day in your house. And I want to live there sometime (laughs) because it looks every, everything looks, you know, just so perfect and so happy. But at the end of the day, man, it's a grind. It is even putting out content where you're laughing and dancing and joking around and taking that and repurposing it, getting it distributed to social and making sure that the messaging and the post is right in everything. That's not easy work, man. And I think there's a subset of our industry out there that's the older guard that think that you're just playing around on social media. Because I know they say that about me. Yeah. I know they say that about me, right? 
And I don't think that people really understand, you know, the power of perception. And you guys have harnessed that. You've done an exceptional job. And I think you need to know that because I'm sure that there are a lot of people that see the content you put out and it puts a smile on their face during the day when they needed it. They didn't get it anywhere else, but they never reach out and tell you. But I know, I know that people see that and that you're changing the way people think and how they, how they perceive our industry. So keep up with that and keep doing it because that's really, really important because we're not going to be the same we were in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, even early 2000s. Technology changes, the world changes, and our industry, unfortunately, just seems to be very, very slow and behind everything else to change. But with people doing the kinds of things you're doing to push the envelope, and putting yourself out there and making yourself visible, you know, it's it's amazing to think about, you know, how many lives you're going to change. Because I have to believe at some point, two dozen, three dozen, four dozen African-American people who would have never thought they had an opportunity in the insurance industry. And by the way, I may be selling you short. It may be thousands of people. Who knows? But they never would have come in if you wouldn't have had the guts to sit out there and put yourselves out there in front of everybody and be authentic in who you are. And that's what you do. So congratulations for having an exceptional presence on social that seems to be very genuine, very authentic. And as much as it can do to change the industry, I also think there's a lot of people out there that buy insurance that want to deal with somebody who has fun and looks like they're, you know they're in a good mood all the time and that it's okay to, to let loose a little bit and still do your job, you know? It is. It and is. I think that that probably helps you a lot with your audience and, and the prospects that you have, even if they don't reach out and tell you that directly, I've got to believe people see that like that's that's the kind of company I want to do something with. That's who yeah. I want. You know, that's who I want to partner with because I feel like they'll make me better. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny that you said, like you said, like the always, because we are social media and we, we do make it fun, but don't get it twisted too. Like our book of business, we are, like I said, grinders. And even right now we are in a hard market and I've seen like so many posts on social media saying, Oh, you know, this carrier's pulling out or how am I going to do this business? And it's a stressful market, but in the same way too, because a lot of people are saying, I can't wait until it goes back to where it is. It's, most likely will never go back to where it is, but you have to work with the market. You know, if you were selling something and that carrier pulls it off or something happened or nobody's writing it, find another product, learn about another product to sell. But I think in the insurance industry, like some of us are so stuck in our ways. We want everything to be the same, but things are changing and we have to learn to change with it, you know? Even with some carriers pulling out, okay, then let me go to another carrier. Let me let me ask this carrier, what do you like to write? Let's let's go, let's pivot to that. Because I know be- with us back in 2018, 2019, we were mostly personal lines. But then we start pivoting to commercial lines. We like that, yo, we really got a commercial line. So that's what we started. You gotta learn to pivot with it. You can't be stuck in the same era because you wanna be left behind. So true story, I actually had an idea. I was going to buy um, a couple to start out with, and who knows how big I would have eventually made it. And I may still do this, but I was going to buy some of those Kia Souls, the tiny little cars that looks like they should have a handle on the top that you could just pick yeah. up and take with you when you're my size. But um, I was going to buy those, and I was going to have them branded as the Workers' Compensation Coverage Response Unit. And I was just going to hire people to drive them out to construction sites and talk to different contractors that were doing the trades and generate new business doing that. My worst case scenario is they'd be in traffic with my website on the side and everybody and their brother would know, you know, oh, wow, I need workers comp. Maybe I need to talk to those people. But I think there's something to be something to be said for that. Uh, You know, I think. um I think it's really cool with what you're doing to to sponsor events and show up. You certainly make the events um, more fun, I have to imagine, when you get there. But um, how receptive is the community to the education? Because, I mean, I don't really think there's a lot of people out there 
that are standing up proactively saying, yeah, I really want to get a deep dive and learn insurance. Most people want to learn about insurance when they find out why their premium went up or why they had a claim and whether or not it's going to be covered. So how do you get engagement from people when you're literally going to talk about one of the most boring subjects on the face of the earth? How how do you get them to, to engage with you? I approach people how I want to be approached. You know, I approach people with a smile. I am myself. And I think a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. So I ask those questions for them. For example, if I'm talking with a contractor, right, I am not going to say words that's over your head. I'm going to relay it more to you. But first of all, I want to get to know you. I'm not going to try to sell you. Don't don't even know what your name is. I want to get to know you because there has to be that trust. And we try to make things very relatable. I'm like, if you are having subcontractors, why don't you have subcontractor agreements? Nine out of 10, they don't know what a subcontractor agreement is. You know? Okay, well, let me help you with that. Let me give you a sample. Let me educate you. Let me tell you why it's important. Because if you are if you are subbing a work from somebody else, they're allowing you to sign all these forms, all these things. They're requiring all these things from the insurance. Why are you not doing the same thing for your subcontractors? So we break it down for them and we help them too. Because we're, we're more just, just insurance. Hey, you need help getting a loan? Let me connect you with this person. You need help with a business plan? Let me connect you with this person. So we become more just uh, like a resource center for our clients. And then from that, we get referrals like Tom just said you help him with this. And Robert said you help him with that. And that's it's just I think sometimes we overthink things, you know, like we have all this plan. Let me break it down for you. But sometimes people just want to have a conversation. And from there, you can help a person out. Is it really that simple? I mean, it's hard to believe that it really is that simple, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. And I will give you credit, um, David. A um, couple years ago, events, what is it, the extra? Extra two minutes on about the book. The extra two minutes? Yeah. So events, let me listen to your book, the extra two minutes. And I, at first I was like, mm. but I started listening to it. And like, you basically break down like the extra two minutes does matter. You know what I mean? Like the extra work that you do does matter. Even the follow-up with the client, those things matter. Those extra two minutes matter. And we've implemented that in our agency as well, where we do send out the cards, where we do the follow-up, where we do the extra, we do the extra two minutes. And people appreciate that because people remember that. They're like, you know, just selling me a policy and I don't hear from you until the renewal. Nope, you'll roll up in a mobile office into their driveway and make them handle a midterm endorsement on the spot. That ain't the extra two minutes, sister. That's the extra hour and a half. You've definitely taken it to a completely different level. Well, listen, we've been going for almost an hour right now. And I know, isn't it crazy? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? It's been that long. I need to wrap up because I got one more to record after this, but I think it's really important that people... Um, have a way to be able to reach out if they want to talk to you about things that we haven't talked about on the podcast, because, you know, I hate to say it, G, but you got a double whammy. You're female and you're, you know, you're not white. Yeah, you're not white. (laughs) You know, I'll be honest with you. You're uh, Bahamian is what I should say, right? You're from the Bahamas. Yeah. Yeah. You got You got a couple of things stacked against you in the insurance industry and you're not the only one, right? You're not the only one. So how did, how does, uh, somebody who's younger and and just getting started, or maybe they're not even in the industry, but in some way you've inspired them to take that first step and just see what it would look like. How do they get a hold of you? Um, They can reach me. I'm on social media, LinkedIn, Bertha Jean, C-I-S-R, I I think. Um, Or you can um, check us out on our website, onewayinsurancegroup.com. Events only post me on his social, <laughs> so you can follow events again um, with me. But I do, let me just, I know we're pushing the time, but I just want to add one more thing, David. Sure, absolutely. Like you said, when you said it's a double whammy. Yeah, I am. And even until today, I still get this, you know, the fact that I'm black. I'm a woman in the insurance industry. And starting off, I had a gentleman come in the office who basically told me, after I gave him a quote that I didn't know what I was doing and he'd rather go to events. 
And I remember that day. I remember feeling so defeated that day. And I cried that day. And But events told him, he said, I don't know what you're talking about because my wife is one of the best. And whatever she gave you, I, I, I'm most likely I won't be able to beat it, right? And I remember having a conversation with him. And he said, he told me, he said that, you know what? You have to be the face because there's so many women out there who are in the same situation as you you know people look at you and they're like they don't think you know what you're doing or they think you're secretary or you're just filing the paperwork but he said you have to be the face and you have to be the voice and it took me a while for me to find out who i was as a ceo and now i'm like yo i'm a ceo of a prospering um, insurance firm and you know what the fact that i'm black the fact that i'm a woman adds to my value so now when anybody who comes up to me, I don't see myself as the victim. I don't see myself as you're looking at me as a black woman or you're looking at me as a, a uh, whatever you're looking at me. You're looking at me as a qualified insurance professional. And that's how I see myself. But if somebody have an issue with me because of my gender or my race, then that's your problem. Go someplace else. Bye-bye, boo-boo. <laughs> and that's how I think we have to see ourselves too because no matter where you go, people are just going to look at the People want to see how they want to see you. But how I perceive myself is different. Good for you. Well, it starts with self-belief. In any sales role, that's the case. If you don't believe in yourself, how in the world could you expect anybody yeah. else to believe in you? So good on you for thinking that way. That's a great thought process. Well, listen, we are on the hour and I got to wrap it up. I cannot <laughs> wait. I cannot wait to drop this bad boy and get it out to you guys. So stay tuned. Um, I don't even know if I'm putting you in the picture, man, to be honest with you. You already got a car too. Yeah. One. <laughs> don't just put her. I may have you sitting on her knee, having her burping you like a little baby or something like that. Keeping you right where she wants to. <laughs> In all seriousness, thank you so much for coming on. It really means a lot that you guys would take time out of your day. I know you're busy. I know you're grinding. And every minute you're not grinding is another minute you're going to have to to make up for the time you were on here. So thank you for that. I look forward to getting this out and sharing your story with everybody. I can promise you it will bear fruit for you. And I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. So thank you so much for being such awesome guests. And we'll catch you soon. No thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Absolutely. See you guys. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.